Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The starter for the American League in the All-Star Game will be lefty Shane McClanahan of your Tampa Bay Rays. And it's well-earned, no matter what Dusty Baker or anybody else says. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> uh, uh, we were talking about before the podcast. is like, just give the guy his due. He's starting the All-Star Game. His, his, his numbers are, are, are wicked good. It's not as if he hasn't earned it, but they had to put the asterisk by it, I guess. Well, I mean, everyone knew that baseball and probably Fox wanted Shohei Otani to start. Mm-hmm. It's in L.A., Kershaw versus Otani, sexy matchup in L.A. Mm-hmm. Both players play there. Fine. It turns out Otani's decided he's not going to pitch, which is fine. But instead of naming Shane the starter, Dusty Baker says, well, since Otani informed us he's not going to pitch, we're going to name Shane the starter, essentially. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> kind of backed into the announcement there. I mean, you could have just said Shane McClanahan's a starter. Look at his numbers; he's deserved this. Da da da. And you're going to get the question about Otani. And at right. that point, you can say, "Well, Otani, well, Otani's not going to pitch in in this game." Yeah. Period. You don't have to equate the two. I mean, people will, and and that's fine. But when the manager's up there, just yeah. Well, after Otani said he would, now we'll name Shane the starter. He went one step further, and I don't know if this is true. He goes, well, I've never even seen him pitch. <laughs> well, he Shane has. McClanahan. Like, what? What do you mean you've never seen him pitch? Well, he, they, uh, Shane McClanahan made his debut against the Astros in the playoffs. Yeah. In relief, right? Yes. Now, Shane McClanahan yeah. gave up a couple runs. Right. Wasn't his best performance, so, you know. But don't maybe. act like you don't know who he is. Well, I mean. I think he meant, in per- I believe, I, I mean, I took it to mean he hasn't seen him pitch in person. He hadn't person. seen him on I the mound, yeah. Has he seen tape and highlights? Sure. Yeah, because he said he goes. It's what you know. People that have seen him described him as filthy. Yeah, or nasty, well, or whatever it was, whatever term. Yeah, he used. nasty. I think yeah. he said. Yeah. No, I, I took it to mean in person. I don't mean you know yeah. videotape. It's you know, but there's a different feel when you see a guy live compared to watching it on video. Right, right, and and as far as his guy Justin Verlander goes, I guess the I guess the Astros aren't too. Uh, or on all running to L.A. to get booed for the All-Star break, I guess. So, yeah, at the Futures game over the weekend on Saturday night, the two Astros prospects that played uh, got booed nonstop in those games. So if you remember years ago, the Astros beat the Dodgers in the playoffs, went on to win the World Series, and then turns out they were banging on trash cans and everything else to help win those series. So and These kids were probably in high school or college when this happened. They weren't even part of the organization, probably. Yeah. Yeah, but, but that's yeah, how so, much. But Altuve is backed out. Verlander's backed out, and you know, they give reasons. But I think right. there's a lot of Astros that don't want to go to LA. Well, understandable, I guess. All that matters is that a Tampa Bay Ray is starting the All Star Game for the American League. Now, did David Price start a game in the All Star Game? He did well? in 2010. There were three Rays on the field to start the game. Evan Longoria. Got, Longoria was one, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, David Price uh, on the mound. David Price on the mound and ooh, uh, B.J. Upton. Nope. Carl Crawford. Carl Crawford. Yep. 
Oh, Carl Crawford was in the left. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, that was a that was a uh, a pretty good era of Rays baseball and a pretty good left hander to emulate yourself after. So, all those years later, you got another lefty on the mound and and USF product. I mean, this is such a good local story. It's unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about just what he's done this year has been nothing short of sensational. I mean, his streak now of giving up you know two runs or less and six strikeouts is you know in randy johnson territory if not eclipsed it so i mean we start talking about players like that and comparing them to a guy like mcclanahan i mean it's just and and the other thing is too like he's he's a great guy you know Mm -hmm. um good good guy in the clubhouse he was talking about how how much he loves going to the ballpark early just to be around the fellas and you start hearing stuff like that he's like you know we everybody gets along with everybody in the organization and we just you know we love love Mm -hmm. our company and we we like to hang out, and I like to hang out when I'm not pitching. And you know, you 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 get it's not just it's not just lip service. I mean, you can actually feel that, uh, especially from him. And you know, and, and frankly, he was a guy that I thought might struggle because of the amount of pressure he puts on himself. You know, he's mm-hmm. so intense, um, but he's found sort of that Zen area where you know he's not getting too high or too low on the mound if something goes good or goes bad. And I think Corey Kluber has really helped him with that. This sort of that stoicism, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I absolutely think, um, you know, and even going back to Charlie Morton and Morton. Yeah. You know, I mean, those guys can kind of show you and lead the way. I think Kyle Sn- Snyder is a tremendous pitching coach. He is. And, and I think, he really you is. know, how he handles each member of that staff differently. Mm-hmm. Really puts them in best positions to succeed individually and, yeah. and, and, and meaning that to help the team. Right. Um, you know, but uh, you know, I love that Shane in his press conference on Monday talking about the all-star game mentioned, Hey, I, I think Jason Adams should be here. I think Harold Ramirez, I think Yandy Diaz, um, you know, mentioning that he should have had more teammates there with him. You know, I tend to agree with him. I don't know who you take out of the game because I haven't looked to see who's actually in, but if, I don't know, if, for, if you compare the the numbers for those players, I mean, Harold Ramirez got hot late, and his yeah. numbers look great. But when the the decisions were being made two three weeks ago, he was just starting right. that streak to get hot. I mean, he had right. played well. I mean, Yandy's hit three hundred or mm-hmm. around there. Yep, Jason Adams been fantastic. Although he didn't start the the season in the highest leverage situations, he's kind of right. got thrust there as Kittredge and Fairbanks. And, yeah, that's true. And, and others got hurt. He's thrust in there, and he's he's th- thrived and done well. But you start looking at the numbers, and he's you know at like six saves or something like that. I mean, you know, it's hard. It's hard to you know when you're limited on the number of players you have on there, and you have to have one from every team. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't allow a lot of that. You know, to and and, and you know, a couple weeks ago, think back to where the Rays were as they're starting to make these selections. They were third or fourth in the division. Yeah, they were sinking. I mean, they were never out of it, but I mean, mm-hmm. now they're ten games over five hundred, and they're they're you know secure in the first wild card spot yeah. in the division where everybody's five hundred or better. Uh, you would think that that would equal more than one All Star, mm-hmm. albeit yeah. the starter. You know, although in, you in know, you also had two spots taken up by Miguel Cabrera and, and Albert Pujols. That's true. At the commissioner's d- discretion. That's, yeah, to that's put those true. in, so one on each league. So there's one roster spot, and yeah. you know it, it's it. And the Rays didn't get anyone voted in. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, mm-hmm. the bigger markets are going to get more votes, and and you know if you're not if you're not near the top or in the top two or three, you're, you're just not going to get picked unless the manager does it. But 
I don't know. I mean, to start the game with the Tampa Bay Ray on the mound, you know, uh, against Clayton Kershaw, you know, in L.A., pair of left-handers, that's, you know, that's historical stuff. And that's one of his idols, too, or one of the pitchers he right. loves to watch as a, a left-hander, of course. Right. You know, so it's kind of that old versus new. It's going to be fun. The only disappointing part is, with Shane starting, is that by the second inning or the third at the latest, the Rays are done. That's right. In the game. Good night, everybody. You know, yeah. Safely. I mean, if he didn't start, if he would have pitched the third or fourth or fifth inning, then, you know. You had to stick could, around. You got a little time. But so good or bad, you could, I guess you could view it either way. But after one or two innings, the Rays are done in the All-Star game tonight. Yeah. Well, we'll all get a good night's sleep. So that's that's the positive here. I doubt he'll get the win unless they come out and score a ton of runs and he shuts them down. Well, technically, by the rules, you can't win as the starter if you only go an inning. That's true. I don't know if All-Star rules they has keep the same that? scoring rules. I don't know if in the All-Star game if it does. Oh, speaking of new rules, did oh, you yes. see where if it's a tie game, they're going to go to a home run derby format? Yeah, like uh, you pick three players and then they get crazy what, is that? a couple pitches. and I guess it's better than a tie or better than... Better than the outcome ratings, deciding really the home field for the World Series. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Hey, uh, you know what? Make it fun and exciting. Why not? Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, now yeah. it's inevitable. It's going to be a tie game. I mean, it's an nine, exhibition right? game, so who cares if you end it on a home run derby? Yeah, except we just saw a home run derby, and that that by the way, like something's got to be done with this format. And I'm listen. Juan Soto won it. Um, you know, he ended up beating uh, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, this young kid, 21-year-old from from the Seattle Mariners, who hit about 90 uh, total on the day. He hit like 34 or something like that the first round. He opened the first but, round and just crushed it. Oh, my God. I, I mean, it was every pitch. <laughs> like, it was every pitch. Like, you could barely throw that many balls up there in, in the allotted time that they had. Uh, and the guy was just soft-tossing them up there, too. Like, so this is the other thing. I've never seen less velocity uh, for a BP pitcher, but he was just on fire. And um, you know it was it was really cool to see you know new blood in that in that game. Of course, they had the old blood with Albert Pujols who somehow snuck into the semis when Kyle Schwarber. You think Schwarber uh, tanked lost. it? I think they miscounted one to be honest with you, but mm. I don't know. I don't know that he did. Wouldn't be the worst thing that happened on the night. No. You know, everybody thought that Albert was was done after the first round, and they all kind of mobbed him and tried to pump him back up and and you know give him his props and all that stuff. Um, the fact is, like when he did his first home run derby, he didn't hit more than twelve the first time anyway. So it wasn't like age caught up to him. But he ended up he ended up advancing, and uh, you know it was it was good theater. But he wasn't able to hang with guys like Soto and and Rodriguez. Too bad Berman was in there. Eh, me he and Julio there. down by there. the schoolyard. He was there on the pregame show. Was he? And they started asking him, like who he liked tonight, and he couldn't name one of the young guys. Oh God, <laughs> name any of them. <laughs> Julio's is that's his go to. Ah, me and Julio down by the schoolyard. I mean, it was all about Albert um, Pools. That's about the only guy he knew in the Derby. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's been a little while for Boomer in, in baseball. You know, brack, brack, brack. But um, so yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, it was an electric sort of uh, home run derby, as you know. And speaking of electric, May Electric Solar. It's a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years now. There's In this field where there's all these fly-by-night companies, May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and service warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge 
protection for all your appliances. If you live in Florida, as we do, that's very important. That is the main difference. So if you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all of its products and conducts on-site testing. You'll see what they install. Plus, this is important. They don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the job. So start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862 to schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long, preserve your quality of life, and preserve your appliances as well. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, let's talk a little Bucks news. Uh, in the on-again, off-again, is he, will he, won't he, uh, Rob Gronkowski seems to be retired, but maybe not news. This time, uh, an opinion registered by his girlfriend, Camille Kostick, the SI Swimsuit model. She was speaking, in fact, at uh, SI Swimsuit's runway show Saturday night in Miami Beach. And, you know, she made it clear that she's not buying Gronk's latest announcement either. Uh, In fact, she kind of compared it to the one that Tom Brady hastily made at the end of the season, only to change his mind and come back to the team about 40 days later. Here's what she said. She said, I'm an honest lady, and honestly... I don't feel like this one is for is the forever one. That's what Caustic said. She goes, so I think maybe he'll come back again. I feel like him and Tom are just having fun, like retired, not retired, retired, not retired. <laughs> so, you know, it was only a week ago. He was pretty adamant um, when he sat down and, and talked to uh, ESPN's Mike Reese up in uh, up in New England uh, and made it pretty clear that uh, uh, that he has no intentions of playing again. At least that was his his claim. He said, I'm, I'm done with football. I love the game. Um, blessed for the opportunities, but done with football and stepping in, you know, my feet into the business ventures and, and just seeing what's out there and what I can do and find my place. But let me just say this. If you can't convince your girlfriend or your fiance or whatever, uh, Camille is the, the woman that you have, uh, sort of sharing your life with every night, uh, and every day, then it's hard to sell anybody else because if, if I if I told my wife, uh, honey, this is my last year, we, we would probably have many discussions about it, especially if, you know, those conversations lasted over the entire summer. And then when I got to the point to announce it, like they, I would think she would know whether I was sincere or just kind of not really sure and just said it. And you know, maybe, maybe Gronk is just like one of the greatest showmen on earth, you know, like a a little, that there's a little bit of show business in this, but I don't know. I'm kind of like, I, I believe Gronk when he talked to Mike Reese that, you know, he really doesn't want to play again because I don't think his body will, will allow him to. I think he, you know, he took the year off. He felt better. He went out there, he got through 20 games, won a Super Bowl, then got all beat up again and reminded him of why he retired in the first place. Therefore, t- retiring a second time wasn't going to ever be as hard um, simply because he knows sort of what's on the other side. And he knows the price he pays for playing more than ever. Um, but then she says this, and I'm kind of like, hmm. So here's where I stand with it. I don't think he intends to play. But if they get to week 10, 12, in a 17-week season, and the tight end position is such that they could use a little bit of help, but maybe not, you know, everyday help, but if, give him five, six weeks to kind of glide himself back into shape for a postseason run. To me, that's that's going to tell the tale. Is you know, if the Bucks are in it, 
and they win, you know, 11, 12, 13 games, and they, they either win the division or have a wild card, maybe a, who knows, maybe a bye week, that at some point towards the end of the season, Tom's going to call his buddy and probably will do it all year long and check in and say, hey, what about now? How about, how about five games? How about six games? How about we just do this playoff run? So to me, until you get past that window, I suppose we're all, the question is always going to be asked. And she didn't do anything to really help Gronk, you know, you know, quell the, the fire here. I mean, people are going to constantly ask this question until or unless the season ends and he doesn't play. Well, um, look, it's been four weeks since he announced his retirement, mm-hmm. which means we have another 12 to 13 days to match Tom Brady's retirement. <laughs> now, he right. may be saying, I'm going to go a couple days past that. I, you know, I got to <laughs> one up Tom and stay retired a little longer. So, you know, maybe right. another two, three weeks till he announces he's back. Right. I think it would be so surreal, even with even knowing these chuckleheads are like, it'd be so surreal if like camp started and all of a sudden I was like, yeah, um, that's Gronk over there. He's here. He came back. Um, maybe maybe I don't we can think, hire him as a coach. I mean, don't they have like forty-eight coaches over there or something? Yeah. Well, he would never. Yeah, he he's smarter than than to use his time that way. But the well, one I thing just meant I, to sneak I, him in the building and then you know, oh, oh, oh. What, we reactivated him. Yeah. Well, they'd sign him. But the thing is, is that I don't. I can't imagine the one thing he he, he probably does has no interest in doing is a training camp. You know, like in the heat walking on the sun out there and it is hot folks really hot um and it's going to get hotter so like yeah i think he's if he if he did entertain playing i can't imagine that he would show up you know for that carnage but um but at some point this year and we'll see you know the other tell is this the bucks haven't signed a veteran tight end they have not now they drafted two you know, and they really love Kate Otten from Washington, who's sort of a complete player. He's a you know, inline blocker, can catch the ball from Washington. He missed all of OTAs in in, in the mandatory minicamp, did nothing because of an ankle injury. And then they have Coke Keefe, who's you know was like a six year player at Minnesota, changed from offensive line to tight end, just a road grader, just a blocker. You know, doesn't catch many balls. I think he made twelve in his career or something like that. So. Basically, those are your two guys. I mean, everybody says, well, Cam Brate is the tight end. Well, Cam Brate might get the first rep, depending on the formation, but he's essentially a receiving tight end. I mean, you don't want Cam Brate adequate at best blocker, but you're not going to start him, you know, uh, in line the way you would Gronk or someone like him. So the tell will be, and I know they still have Cody McElroy and, and, and they, you know, signed an undrafted free agent from, from uh, Yale and all that, but... The tell will be whether the Bucks sign a veteran tight end, like a Kyle Rudolph, who has been rumored to be one of the one of the players that the, the Bucks are interested in. Um, Kyle Rudolph, you know, played all those years at Minnesota. He played last season with the Giants. At the very end of his career, no doubt, might be able to give you something though, uh, and just give you more experience as a guy that can play, you know, both sides of the ball. I mean, you know, can run and and be a pass catcher for you. So run block and pass catch. So if they don't sign a veteran uh, before or during, you know, before the start of the season or during camp, that might be a tell that, uh, you know, perhaps they do think that Gronk will come back at some point. Or maybe they just have a whole heck of a lot of confidence in these two kids they drafted, uh, which could also be the case because we haven't seen either one of them. Uh, But that's the problem, too, is that how do you know what you have until you get them on the field? And all they're going to have is three preseason games at best, 
and the training camp, and they missed all the OTAs, at least Kate Otten did, and he would be the guy that would play the most. So it's a very, um, you know, sort of questionable position. Like we, maybe these guys are Pro Bowl players, but but there's there's no proof of that, and it's a critical position for them, and trying to fill Gronk's shoes in the first place is virtually impossible. So um, I, I'm interested, if, you know, if they, if they sign Rudolph, then that probably means that, yeah, they're buying into the fact that Gronk won't be here or they really like their young guys. And, at, you know, we're just a few days away from the start of training camp um, and the first practice at least, and, and they haven't done anything yet. So this next week will be interesting to see if they do. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Speaking of Brady, hey, we didn't talk about this the other day. So, you know, he uh, did this Spotify Drive podcast, as Brady is wont to do. You know, he'll pop up on these things. Usually it has something to do with, you know, I think, you know, something he's promoting or a product or tag you or some, some damn thing. I don't know why he was on this podcast, but he was. And Tom Brady was asked the other day, and this got a lot of, of, of attention. I just kind of want to get your take on it. Um, among other things, uh, in this long interview, he talked about, you know, playing and how he's closer to the, a lot of, some of the things we've heard before with respect to his retirement, how he would have preferred to wait until, you know, right before the start of training camp to announce what he was going to do. Uh, but it didn't play out that way. But he also said some other things, um, you know, about his life, his marriage, and especially about raising kids. And this is what got an awful lot of attention nationally. And I just want to quickly kind of hit on it, but what Brady said was the hardest thing about parenting his children, right, that he shares with Giselle Bunchen, uh, is their level of wealth. Now, these are two of the more wealthy people in the world, I would imagine. I mean, they're talking about Brady becoming uh, one of the first billion-dollar players. Of course, he just you know signed a contract with Fox for $375 million, uh, for 10 years whenever he's done playing. Uh, so he said, he explained that it's hard for his kids to appreciate all they have when everything is handed to them. And his quote was, look, we have people that clean for us. We have people that make our food. We have people that drive us to the airport. If we need that, we get off a plane and there's people waiting for us there and we get ushered in. And he just said, that's my kid's reality, which is the hard part to say is to say, guys, this is not the way reality really is. And what can we do about that? And he went on to talk about how, you know, he and his wife grew up and, and their experiences were totally different. He said, my wife grew up in rural Brazil, the furthest uh, state south, the Rio Grande do Sul, very small kind of farming town, very simple girl. Uh, there were two bedrooms in their house, one for their parents and one for her and her five sisters, five sisters. He said, I grew up in, Cal- I would say, a middle-class family in California. My dad worked his ass off for our family. My mom stayed at home, took care of us kids. I saw my mom work every day and make food for us at night and wash our clothes. So, you know, together their their net worth is probably right now about $650 million, which makes them one of the richer couples in the world. And so a lot of people, like, 
took off on that and, and really, you know, we're kind of like, oh, really? Oh, poor Tom Brady. Like, parenting is really tough. Yeah, private airplanes and, and uh, you know, and limousines. Like, I can see how hard it is to, to be a father in that situation when, when there are people that literally are trying to put food on the table for their children uh, and don't have a car or much less go on vacation or travel. So it, it got taken out of context rather quickly. But listen, I know exactly what he's saying. And I'm not, no way in no form do I have Tom Brady's wealth and never will. And there's no equivocation at all. But I think we all, or a lot of us that are fortunate enough to have a job and, uh, you know, a, a good income and a roof over our heads. You know, I didn't grow up the way my kids are growing up. You know, they've, they've been exposed to trips and vacations and hotels that I would have never stayed at as a kid. And I, and I feel the same way about my kids is that they don't know what, what reality is. Now it's not Tom Brady's reality. Um, you know, it's not Giselle Bunkin and, and, you know, her kids reality right now. But I understand, I think a lot of parents feel, you know, that they want to give their kids a better life and they want to, you know, have more opportunity in different, different things. But it, it's, it's not always going to be this way or, you know, they, it's hard to make your children understand how fortunate they are because they didn't, they weren't raised by, by your parents, you know, in your circumstance. It's, it's maybe a higher level of living. Brady, obviously a level that I can't even conceive of. Um, but he really got taken to task for it by some people. And I thought that was unfair. I thought it was completely unfair. And you know, it, it was one question in a podcast and mm-hmm. in the headline, you know, it was just Tom Brady says wealth is the hardest thing about parenting. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay. I mean, that's that's what you call clickbait. Cause yeah, clickbait, whiny. Yeah. That wasn't the, the comment in context at all. No, now, no. You know, is it tone deaf for him to give that answer a little bit? Okay, you could argue that. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you re- read the context and as you laid out, you know, he said, look, we don't live the way most people do. And we're trying to teach yeah. our kids that this isn't. This isn't normal right. in that, you right. know, the, the other people have, you know, financial issues in this and, and you know, just to appreciate things. And, and yeah. isn't that what you at the end of the day, whatever your situation is, whether you have money, you don't, whether you have, right. you know, two parents or one parent or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, however your family and, and situation is, it's it's teaching your kids about life and and understanding that no two people are the same and no circumstances are and, mm-hmm. and and you know that's kind of the way the world works and that's what you do with your kids I, I, mm-hmm. you know i thought it was i had no issues with the comments now you know those the clickbait on the internet of and those who just read the headline of tom brady says wealth the hardest part of parenting yeah they're gonna rip it mm-hmm. but if you read the whole comment in context it, it makes perfect sense what he was saying now you want to say it's tone deaf for him to give that answer? Okay, I, you know, I, I'm not going to argue with you, but, you know, but in context, there was nothing wrong with the quote. Yeah, and and you know, I think uh, from what I know about Tom and his children, um, and from what I've witnessed, you know, first of all, because I listen, I, I was like everybody else. I saw him in New England for 20 years, went to the Super Bowls, thought he was kind of robotic with his answers, yada yada. Um, heard a lot of good things from beat writers and people that covered them um for a for a superstar you know 
and he is that, right? He's in the stratosphere of a Michael Jordan or, you know, Tiger Woods, that kind of a player with that kind of wealth. Um, his parents did a really good job with him because when you do uh, have an opportunity to be in his company, and I know people that are in his company every day, uh, he is present. Uh, he isn't on the cell phone. He isn't distracted. Um, he's, he's universally, everybody that's played with him says he's one of the best teammates they've ever known. Uh, extremely generous with his time, his advice. Uh, he genuinely cares about his teammates, goes out of his way to help them in different, different, you know, circumstances. And so, you know, when you add that together with what he said, knowing what he's about, then you have full context, which is like he said, I grew up middle-class family, Sam would tell my dad, his dad was in the insurance business, worked his butt off. So, you know, I remember reading stories where his, his dad would go in, you know, before five o'clock in the morning so he could be off at three to take them to their, you know, sisters played softball, you know, and they were big softball stars. And then Tom got into baseball and football and that stuff. And his dad was always there and would, would work uh, to get his stuff done early so that he could, he could be available and the mom stayed home and all of that. So they, you know, they raised a bunch of really good kids and one of them happened to become the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, but he was never that, you know, even from a football standpoint, like this was not the dude drafted in the first round and guaranteed $60 million when he signed this dude, you know, was number seven in Michigan, worked his way up, uh, was getting benched even at times, which made no sense at all. But then he got, you know, number 199 in the draft, didn't play his first year, took over from Drew Bledsoe and the rest is history. So he wasn't given a, you know, an easy path to what he has built in terms of his career by any stretch. And, you know, so he, he obviously, you know, recognizes sort of where he comes from and, and how different that is from the reality that his kids have. And, um, from what I've seen of his kids and I've been around them much, um, but they're not little terrors. I mean, they're all, you know, the times that his son Jack has been at one buck place or we've seen Vivi in different places, you know, they they look like any, and act like any other kid, right? Like they don't put on airs. They're very polite. They, they do what you would expect, uh, anybody's children to do. So I, I, it's easy. Like you said, it's clickbait. It's, it's sort of, um, easy to slap a headline on there. And in this time where, you know, people are really struggling and, um, you know, you see a, a quote about the hardest thing about parroting is we have too much money. Um, it's, it's an easy target to kind of slam them about, but that's not at all sort of what, you know, sort of what he meant. Speaking of clickbait, <laughs> I was going to use the exact same segue. <laughs> Were you? <ya? laughs> I got in a little kerfuffle. Uh, and I don't want to make more of this than, than it, because it should, nothing should have been made of it in the first place. Here's the good news. The good news is people are listening to this podcast. Not that we're surprised by that because we see the numbers and we know and it's grown and we've done it for years and years. And you know what? Good for us. And I hope you listen and I hope you enjoy it because you'll learn something every now and then. Um, the bad news is, is something I may have said in passing um, because we do this five days a week. And it might have been not very recent. It might have been as long as six weeks ago. I don't even know when I said it. I'm sure we can go through the archives and try to hunt this down, but I have been on vacation until recently. Um, was the story about Leonard Fournette back in, if you remember way back six weeks ago in mandatory minicamp, and Joey Knight wrote the story, not me, but uh, Leonard Fournette 
was showed up and he to say he was a little bit overweight is generous okay we he saw the pictures we saw the pictures yeah, we get photographs i mean this is not you know this is not a scientific uh you know this isn't bigfoot here but we you know we saw what we saw and he squeezed himself into that number seven jersey uh he had not been to otas he had they had not seen him since he signed his three-year contract and he shows up and he's overweight i mean like dude's overweight okay and he's a little gassed out there running around and, and you know he admitted afterwards and was very upfront about it. he's like i'm not in the best of shape uh, i'm not in playing shape and he was asked sort of what he weighed or he volunteered and he said look i'm i'm 240 something okay well if you if you say 240 something you're probably closer to 250. Because if I was 245, I'd say 245. If I was 248, I might say 240-something. Okay? And so, you know, Todd Bowles, who, you know, if that had been Bruce Arians, uh, who had already, you know, stepped aside as coach and now was in the front office, and so we got Todd Bowles afterwards, uh, Bruce Arians would have probably ripped him a new one. You know? Bruce would have been funny, but he would have, he would have, he would have made his points that, you know, that's not that's really not a good example of set, you know, whatever. Um, or not. I, I don't know. I'm just assuming. But Todd Bowles covered for me. He said, look, it don't matter, you know, what, what you weigh now. All that matters is training camp. And, and that's true, okay, unless uh, you would like your high-paid running back that you just committed three years to to kind of be an example for the younger players that are coming in there for the mandatory minicamp, you know, guys like Rashad White, um, et cetera. Uh, instead, Lenny showed up overweight, and when he said 240-something, I asked the coach, I said, what did he weigh? Was it more like 250-something? And the response I got was, quote, more. All right, so I, apparently on this podcast at some point, I made a comment that we were referring to the mandatory minicamp six weeks ago and said, you know, like Fournette was about a donut shy of 260. Um. Was he 260? I don't, I doubt it, but you know, he could have been 250, 255. Um, I don't really know because I asked 250 something and I was told more. Uh, so, you know, that was the comment I made at some point when we were discussing running backs or Fournette or what have you. Uh, and it got picked up for no apparent timely today. reason other today, than today, for some reason. Today, yeah, on the, on the day we're doing this podcast on Tuesday, on Monday. Is it Monday? Tuesday. Monday. Got picked up on Monday afternoon or Monday morning. And the first place I saw it was like Sports Illustrated. Now, there's a new guy in town, um, you know, SI sort of, I don't know, they franchise these things out or what. I don't understand how they do it now, but there's there's a blogger that's uh, kind of starting up an SI site for the Bucks, which is fine. But this is like the slowest of slow times in the NFL. Like in the next few days, I think I think the Raiders came to camp um, one other team is going to play in a Hall of Fame game. And, you know, for the Bucks, like their rookies report the 23rd. Uh, the veterans, I think the first workout is like the 26th or 27th, somewhere there. So we're about, we're, we're approaching the start of training camp. But for the most part, uh, some of the coaches I know aren't back in town. Uh, some of the front office guys aren't back in town. So it's still kind of like the last, clinging to the last few days, mm-hmm. right, of, of vacation. So that's a, that's a long way of saying there's nothing to write about. There's no news mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's nothing going on. We're all waiting for Deshaun Watson's suspension, and that's about it. Uh, and 
So something like this is, you know, if you're if you're committed to just writing only about the bucks on a website, um, I can see how why and, and look, yeah. it's perfectly fine for anyone to pick up what I say and so run we with talked it. They want we to talked about this on Friday actually. It was we had a mailbag was question it Friday? about running okay. bucks. And you brought up that oh, story you. from training camp. Yeah, I figured or it must have been the, a mailbag. From the, the mini camp. Yeah. Yeah. So it, actually we talked about it on Friday. So it was recent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, and you relayed that same story we told six weeks ago. Right. And I made mention that I thought he was like a donut shy of 260. That was the mm-hmm. that was the killer quote. Well, so anyway, it got picked up by the world because, like I said, if you're a pro football talk and you're you're canvassing, you know, for NFL news, um, you see this blog on SI and you see me quoted and I'm, you know, I have a reputation um, of covering the Bucks for a long time. And sometimes what I say matters, uh, maybe more than it should, but whatever. So it got picked up and, and but then it kind of lost, lost context by the time the fourth or fifth blogger did it. And it became sort of like, I, it almost had took on a tone of like, I'm saying he was 260. Like he's 260 now. Like the bucks are upset because he weighs so much. We have no idea what six he weighs weeks now. Ago. I have no idea. And, and I would suspect because I've seen his workout, he's posted workouts on Instagram and stuff. He looks like he's in shape. You know, he, lo- he looks like he's going to be fine. What, whatever weight he, like, I think he said he would like to play at 228 or 230, whatever it is. I, I would imagine he'll get close to that, if not get there, you know. Um, but that, but it, it wasn't presented that way. And, 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 of course, you know, Buck's Twitter is a dangerous place. Um, and people read what they want to read. But, um, you know, the good news is, and here's the postscript to all of this. So, you know, if I'm a player and I'm reading this, I'm like, what the hell, you know, kind of like this kind of came out of left field six weeks ago you know, when I was at mandatory minicamp, why is this coming up now? And so as fate would have it, and I'm glad he did this, um, Leonard Fournette reached out to me, uh, on, on instant message or on, on, on Twitter. And he said, Hey, just a quick question. What was your purpose of, of posting anything about my weight? And then I explained to told him the story. I just told you, which is, I didn't post anything about your weight. <laughs> we didn't written about your weight since six weeks ago when you talked about it, you know, when, when you said you were 240, and I told him the story, I said, you know, look, you said you were 240 something. I asked the coach if it was closer to 250 something. And he said more. And I said, I've made reference to it on a podcast and really that was it. And then, you know, bloggers picked it up from, like you said, we, like we got a question on it, I guess Friday and bloggers picked it up on Monday and then it became a thing, you know, uh, like I'm reporting that the bucks are up well, they weren't happy. I mean, I think that's obvious, right? When you pay a player uh, a three-year contract and you don't see him in the offseason and he comes to a mandatory minicamp and he's that overweight, yeah, it's not It's not going to make you feel great about the guy. But um, some guys tend to gain weight, and it's not the first time that Leonard has gained weight. You know, he gained weight when he pulled his hamstring, um, you know, the last few games of last season. Uh, and... You know, remember they had to play the Philadelphia Eagles game. They thought he was going to play that week, and he couldn't play, and, and uh, they had to play and win with Keyshawn Vaughn and those guys. So I was glad that he reached out, and I explained to him pretty much what he just said, and uh, he was fine. You know, like they, you know, for all the sort of like, wow, you must really be trying to you know, you know dig up negative things to, to talk about, 
he just said, no, never mad at you. Just wanted to know your point of view. Uh, and that's the, and the end of the day, we're all family talking about the reporters and players and just wanted to clear some things up, but never upset. Appreciate you as always. And that was it. So, you know, I thanked him. I said, I, you know, I, if I was a player, I could see where he'd be upset about that. If I read that post, mm-hmm. um, especially if I read it six weeks after, you know, mandatory minicamp. Yep. Um, but he was, he was fine. And, uh, and I'm glad he was. So, yeah, I, I just think sometimes context is lost. And, and I was repeating a story from, you know, six weeks earlier. Yeah, we were talking about we the were running asked, back situation and, you yeah. know, Rashad White and Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn yeah. Vaughn and Right, Leonard we're Fournette. sort of handicapping And, and I think it, the yeah. question was who's going to be number two running back behind Leonard. Right, and, and I, think, I think it'll eventually be Rashad White. And my point was that, uh, you know, Leonard – has become a three-down back, which he not wasn't necessarily. I mean, he caught balls in Jacksonville, and he still catches balls here. Tom trusts him, which is the biggest thing, right? Like he trusts him in pass protection. Um, they use him in the screen game. They use him in the flat mostly. He's not going to line up and run an option route in the slot. You know, he's not James White. He's not that guy. Uh, but Tom trusts him, and he can play all three downs. The problem is he wore out. You know, like I, I think when you know in today's NFL. You need more than one back. You just do. And, you know, whether it was Ronald Jones getting COVID and then, you know, having a quad injury uh, against Washington in the warm-ups and Leonard had to come in or last year Leonard, you know, doing everything until he got to, you know, the final three weeks of the regular season and he pulls his hamstring and he was out and he needed Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, you're going to need to split carries with somebody. And, you know, their, their running back room is, is pretty good. I think the Rashad White kid, and again, it, he's a rookie. He hasn't played it down in the NFL, and he certainly wasn't used in pass protection much at, at Arizona State. But just watching him move and seeing what he can do in the pass game in particular, you know, you got Giovanni Bernard back, but he was injured a lot last year, and he's a veteran, and he certainly has played that role and played it well. And Tom trusts him. He's on the team a year ago, uh, but he was hurt a lot. And then, you know, like I said, Vaughn is – somebody that's always going to push. And, and, you know, I know that Arians liked him a lot more than other people did, but he played some good football when they needed him. So it's it's going to be a competitive situation. But my guess is before it all shakes out, and maybe it's week two, three, four, I don't know, I think you're going to see a lot of Rashad White this year. And, and it'll be good if he can play that third down role at minimum or uh, be a guy that can trust in pass protection and stuff so that, so that Leonard Fournette can be – um, sort of fresh throughout the whole season, and especially late in the season and postseason when you really need them. Um, so I think their running back room improved, uh, but you know he he's going to have to come come in and 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 earn his money now. You know they gave him the big contract, and and you know he's earned it the last two years with this club, uh, and now now he has to do it. And you know so it's it's going to be an interesting position, and that's what we were discussing the other day when I brought up you know, the mandatory minicamp and his weight six weeks ago it wasn't, you know, an effort to try to attack, well, Leonard Fernandez a whale. You know, like, that wasn't that wasn't the intent, nor was it something I blogged recently. It was just taken from the question that we had uh, in our mailbag, I think. All right, uh, speaking of mailbags, we're going to do another one this week, as we always do. We're getting closer to training camp, so I'm sure you have plenty of questions about that, about the Rays during the All-Star break. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning have certainly made a number of moves as well. So anything you got, college football, we can talk about that later this week, Steve, the SEC 
has had their media days, and oh boy, uh, they call themselves a super conference, and they are that, along with the Big Ten changing the face well, of college football. It just means football. more, Rick. It just means more. It just means more. That's correct. It definitely means more. It means more money. It means more revenue well, that too. for everybody. Uh, so we'll have lots to talk about that. Submit your questions if you want to to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And if you want to save some money, and who doesn't this time of year, uh, it's you know really hot outside, so your electric bill is going up, call our friends at May Electric Solar. It's a family-owned business. Uh, they've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. If you visit the Hudson showroom, they got all their products in uh, – you know, they conduct testing on site so you can see exactly what they do. You can start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. That's 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, preserve your quality of life, and more importantly, preserve your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 